0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1472.
1: Always, you always have to be winning races. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration.
0: So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yacht. I am revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Colin Braun. Colin is a sports car racer who, for more than 25 years, has been on the track. He grew up in a racing family. In fact, his father, Jeff Braun, has been a guest here on Cars Yacht twice. He was on just a few days ago. Colin's sports car career includes wins at the Rolex 24, the 12 Hours of Sebring, and six Hours of Watkins Glen events. At just 16 years old, he made his racing debut at the Rolex 24-hour race in Daytona, and he was the youngest driver ever to place on the podium at the 24-hour of Le Mans, finishing second. Incredible. He's run oval racing with NASCAR, where he is credited with the fastest lap around the Daytona International Speedway. Hold on to your seats at 222.971 miles per hour. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll be back in just a minute to introduce Colin, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Carsia yeah, possible. Winter's here and things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything Mother Nature comes up with can hurt the finishes of your vehicles, both inside and out. I'm not worried though, because I've used CoverCraft car covers on my rides since 1975. Today Covercraft offers you a total solution to vehicle protection. They make the best fitting, finest made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior too. Live where it's sunny all the time? Lucky! Covercraft dash covers and sunscreens are the best. Got pets? Messy kids? Messy in-laws? Or just messy friends? Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and the perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new. And don't forget their custom fit floor mats and trunk liners. They are a must-have for all your vehicles. Your cars, trucks, van, or whatever you drive will say thank you. And I've got a deal for you. During January 2020, you can get 10% off plus free shipping on all covercraft products. That's right. Go to covercraft.com and use the code YA120. That's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. That's covercraft.com and use the code YA120 at checkout. Hey Cars Yeah race fans. Andy Collins, owner of Armadillo Racing, is a past guest here on Cars Yeah. Last year, I was honored to be a speaker at his high-performance racing seminar. And having attended, I can tell you it's an invaluable learning experience if you love to race. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Armadillo's high-performance racing seminars, and it takes place Saturday, February 8th, in Tacoma, Washington. For your seminar fee, you'll spend a day with four of racing's premier professionals on how to improve your driving and much much more this year's outstanding speaker lineup include jacques delari phd world-renowned high performance driving and life coach jeff braun a race engineer with a history at core racing and imsa ross bentley top driving coach author of world-renowned speed secrets and a fellow podcaster and dan davis retired director of motorsports for Ford Motor Company. All of these incredible racing experts are past guests here on Cars Yow. As an added bonus for Cars Yow listeners, you'll get to join these speakers at the Friday night reception at the incredible LeMay Car Museum for free. That's right. It's a $50 value if you sign up by January 15th. What a deal. Go to Armadillo Racing's website and register. That's armadilloracing.com. Hey, Colin, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Man, I sure am. I'm ready to go. All right. How many times have you been asked that question? Gosh, hundreds probably. Could you tell our listeners, uh, before we jump into things here, just a
1: little bit about yourself and your racing career? Yeah, so I think the the short version of the story as you mentioned in the open, uh my dad being a race car engineer for many many years, uh sort of grew up in the sport. He was working for IndyCar teams and NASCAR teams at the at the time I was, you know, a little little boy growing up and so kind of got started into racing uh through the normal ways that many of us do, right? Through quarter midgets, through go-karts, kind of came up through the ranks uh that way learned a tremendous amount from my dad on you know how to be a, a i guess a good um student of the sport and on the engineering side how to make the go karts and things like that go faster so that was a big help and and then kind of just walked you know up through the up through the ranks did some open wheel formula car racing and then uh did a bunch of sports car racing when i turned 16 and then uh, about a five or a six year stint in in nascar after that and then back to uh sports car racing for the last seven or eight years so it's definitely been uh quite a ride a lot of different um you know places i've been able to race and, and experiences i've been able to have so it's been fun
0: well no doubt you know your dad is so great he was a very early guest here on Cars, yeah. And I called him the other day to have him come back on the show because he's speaking at an event that I spoke at last year. It's uh, Armadillo Racing. Andy Collins, who's another guest here, puts on an annual seminar for racers, uh, mostly amateur racers. But uh, I got to speak last year. Your dad's speaking this year. So I wanted to have him back. And I felt like I was talking to an old friend. You know, you and your dad are such nice people and uh, so easy to talk with. And uh, I said, you know, I got to get Colin on the show. And he goes, of course. So I'm so glad that he connected us here. Our listeners, one little
1: thing that most people maybe don't know about you. Ooh, that's a good question. Oof, I think on the racing side of things, um, you know, a lot of people. I think when they sit down and, and really think about me and my career, I think they remember this. But I think that right now, people kind of remember me as either a sports car driver or a nascar driver and i think a lot of folks don't remember the fact that you know when i turned 16 i did two or so years in sports car racing racing in grand am at the time in in daytona prototype racing and uh you know won races and achieved a pretty high level of success before then going off to nascar for five years and that went really well. And that was exciting in the NASCAR side of things. And then I kind of came back to sports car racing. But, um, you know, people often are like, hey, it's great to see you in sports car racing. That's fantastic. And they sort of forget about the time when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 racing sports cars. So or they remember my NASCAR career and, and you know, they're kind of like, hey, I'm glad you found a, you know, a, something new to do after NASCAR ended. And I'm like, hey, I just kind of came back to what already I already been here, dude. In. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's always an interesting one.
0: Well, it's incredible how young uh, you, you got to start in running in some big, serious endurance-type races. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, I didn't know a lot about your history either until your dad started talking about you. He's very proud of you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> rightfully so. Proud. Yeah, absolutely. So uh must have been incredible growing up in a family with your dad and being around racing. And here we are 25 years later. I mean, you're doing it. So this is pretty cool. Well, I always like to start by asking my guests for a mantra, a saying, a slogan, a quote, some kind of inspirational thought. It's a nice way to get the uh, tires
1: smoking here on cars, yeah? So, Colin, take the wheel. Hey, I think mine is probably going to be one that might not click with everyone, but for me as a, a as a racer and a race car driver, it certainly clicks, and that is always, you always have to be winning races, and and that's kind of been my mantra through growing up as a uh, as a little kid and then kind of that tough time to try to find you know rides in in professional racing and then trying to make a living doing this and you know people are always asking me how do you decide where to go race or what to go do and and my thing has always been you know picking opportunities that I feel like give me a chance to to go and win races and so that's uh sort of been what I've always lived by and that's kind of definitely my biggest mantra that I always remind myself of
0: yeah. You know, most people will go, well, duh, win races. Isn't that the whole idea? But it's not that easy. I mean, there's a lot of competition out there. There's so many racing programs out there and you're, I think you're right. Picking the right place to be at the right time that suits your driving skill, provides you with the right teammates. Um, and of course, racing is all about teammates. So you've obviously done a nice job. With your selection process. Ooh, well,
1: yeah, it's not always easy, right? I mean you've no, got you know never. a couple different opportunities laid out and you're like, should I go this path or that path or this path or this opportunity? And you know, that uh mantra always rings in my head of hey, I pick the opportunity that I feel like gives me the best chance to win races, regardless of whether it's, you know, down this side of the road or that side of the road, right? And so it's uh that's kind of what I've always lived by and and uh, you know, certainly gotten me to to where I am now. But um, yeah, yeah, that's always challenging opportunities to to try to make the right choice. No
0: doubt. You picked a tough career path. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about that career path. We're in the new decade here. I can't believe it's 2020. That's a little frightening uh, how fast life is spinning by. But you're a guy that's used to fast speeds. Tell us what you have planned for this new year. Uh, What are you going to be racing? Who are you going to be racing with? What's the team you're with? And uh, what has you excited and fired up about this new season?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely ready to uh to kind of get this season kicked off. Um we're starting out here in not too long at the uh Daytona 24-hour Rolex event. Uh this is going to be my 16th straight year racing in that uh in that race. So, certainly wow. excited about that. 16 years? Oh my gosh. It's incredible. You must know it like the back of your hand. Well, you know, when you've done it every year since uh, since you've turned 16, you certainly start to get an understanding of, you know, where the little nuances of that racetrack are for sure. But um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. And what are you going to be driving? What team are you with? I'm going to be driving for a uh, kind of a team, probably a bit more known in Europe. Um, they're called Dragon Speed Racing, and they're, uh, they're a great team uh, in Europe. They've done a lot of things racing at Le Mans, racing in quite a lot of endurance races in uh, in Europe. And they've done a few things over here in the U.S., and so they decided to you know, kind of come over this year, try to tackle... Daytona and, and they, you know, needed someone with uh, with some Daytona experience. And so they said, hey, why don't you come over and be part of this with us? Yeah, this guy, what kind of car are you going to be driving? It's a LMP2 car. So the real fancy swoopy prototype looking car, like an indie car with bodywork, basically. So they're a lot of fun to drive. Incredibly fun.
0: You know, I love those cars. I think they're so cool. They're just fun to watch. And the variety of the cars and what how that whole series has evolved especially over the last 10 years in in some of the different fuel delivery systems and types of cars and i mean it's really fascinating to me because it, it the p group seems like it's a lot of engineers and creative people coming together to it kind of reminds me i'm trying to think here the old days of um, can am almost and uh-huh. and maybe you know cuz i mean they had to come up with some really creative different things and you look at those old can am cars and they were all kind of the same, but different. And the LMP2 group, I know that
1: regulations are so much more strict
0: now, but I kind of feel the same way. Would you agree with me or am I
1: completely off the track? here? No, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible what the designers and builders of these cars have done. I mean, the level of performance that they're able to achieve and, you know, just the reliability that they're able to achieve is is incredible. I mean, you look at you know, what guys used to talk about at Daytona and these long endurance races where they said, Hey, you know, we got to go out there. We got to save the car, be easy on the brakes, be easy on the, on the gearbox, things like that. And that was how you got to the end of these long races where, you know, now for the last, I don't know, probably five or six years, it's just flat out every single lap. There's, there's no saving brakes. There's no saving transmissions. I mean, you're flat out, as fast as you can drive those cars, every single lap. And it's not one of those things where you go, well, I hope we can get to the end. I mean, the expectation is for every team that, you know, we have uh, a prepared car and a reliable car, and we're going to get to the end of the race, barring crashing into somebody or some, you know, freaky kind of uh, mechanical issue, But we're running
0: out of fuel, running
1: out of, fuel. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Oh, yeah it's poor, poor, incredible yeah. how well the, uh, you know, the guys have designed and built these cars in today's times. It's just, you know, I mean, you're just flat out every lap. And I think that uh, it's a big testament to sort of the the auto industry and just the Mm -hmm. way that, you know, people work on and think about designing and building these cars.
0: You know, I've got to think uh, when you're in a race uh, back in the older days, where you had to preserve the car, that added a whole nother element to the race that you had to be concerned with and think about. It's fascinating now that you don't have to think about that, but at the same time, you got to be spot on lap after lap after lap. So there's no, not that there was resting before, but when you know you had to kind of throttle back and keep the revs down, a little bit of a rest of thought in your mind. But now, I mean, how do you keep that intensity of focus? I just find it fascinating Uh, how you could keep that focus for so long, going flat out for so long. Do you really get into some other kind of vibe or some kind of thought process? Or is it just like, I I won't say uh, balls to the wall, but I'll say. Uh, (laughs) Just, I mean, just here we go. You just got to hang on. I I can't imagine that.
1: No, it's a great, really good question, Mark. And certainly I think the difference of, you know, what it took to be a good endurance racing driver, you know, 20, 30 years ago to what it takes to be a good endurance racing driver today is, you know, definitely different. I mean, the focus for those guys back in the back in the day was trying to get to the end of the race, being easy on everything. And then, you know, at the end of the race, if it came down to it, they could really push and and go hard. But more often than not, those guys were really more managing the car than they were just flat out every lap and and now as we talked about earlier it's pivoted to just focused on as many fast laps as you can go and so i think it takes a little bit different uh you know skill set and technique but no harder or easier than what it was many years ago but the you know the ability to to Push yourself and push the car hard for, you know, as long as we do uh, when you make these, these long races with the stints and the way that we kind of set the, the drive um, times up and the, and the lineups up. It's, um, you know, definitely mentally tiring. I think that's probably the one thing that is the, the, the most tough in these long races. Um, you know, we all at the level that we're at have personal trainers and, and work out and work on the, you know, the physical side of being tough. Uh, and we try to do what we can to to be mentally prepared and tough, but there's just nothing like, you know, getting out there and, and, you know, having a two or three hour long stint where you're working hard the whole time and then you get a few hours off and you got to go do it again and again and again. And that's just, you know, wears you mental out for sure.
0: Yeah, I would imagine as much physical training as mental training has to be done. When you think about in, in race car drivers nowadays, when you go you go back to the old days, and I'm talking about when I was a kid, the 60s or even the 70s. When drivers just kind of showed up, some of them were kind of playboys, if you will, and they jumped <laughs> in a car and race and went away. Now there's all these different aspects of training, like you said, mental training, physical training, there's dealing with the sponsors, there's appearances, being on podcasts. Um, what is your, when you when you look at all the parts
1: of your career as a race car driver, what is the favorite part of your career in your business? Well, I think for me in my business, what I enjoy the most is you know, the time when I get to start the engine and put it in gear and drive off and and go drive, right? I mean, I love driving the race car. That's the fun part for me, you know, pushing it to the edge, feeling what it does. And then, you know, thinking about how I can drive a little different or do this a little different with with my hands and my feet to, to make the car go fast. That's you know, for me, what I love, obviously, I enjoy doing the media side of things, love being on podcasts, love doing, you know, some of those things. But the real passion for me is that visceral driving experience. You know, that's what hooked me in when I was three or four years old, driving the go-kart around the backyard was just (laughs) the fun of, driving a machine fast and on sure. the edge. So for me, that's definitely, definitely my favorite part. Well, I would guess so. Sometimes I think that's a silly question for me
0: to ask a race car driver, but <laughs> but you never know what you're going to get here on Cars. Yeah. Let's take a short break and say thank you to our sponsors and we'll be right back. Edelbrock has been the name in automotive performance since 1938. Edelbrock designs and builds thousands of of the finest automotive performance products right here in the USA for both street and track. From their AVS2 carburetors to V6 superchargers, if it's more power you crave, Edelbrock delivers. Let's talk superchargers. Whether it's an application-specific system or a universal fit, their precision-made assemblies come in multiple stages for a wide variety of makes and models. Their V6 superchargers are dyno-tested and ensure the perfect fit and maximum horsepower torque plus added boost. you get huge power Power gains, I mean huge power gains. Quality construction you can trust and backed by decades of knowledge. Edelbrock is a brand that provides you with proven performance. And I've got a deal for you. This January 2020, you can get 10% off, 10% off if you use the code CARS Yeah at checkout. Just go to Edelbrock.com and use Cars Yeah, all one word, at checkout and get 10% off. Tell them Mark at Cars yeah, sent you. That's Edelbrock.com checkout code. Cars, yeah, for your 10% off. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. at com. All right, Colin, we are back and I have a, another, maybe it's a silly question. Uh, I always like to ask my guests to share a huge challenge or a big failure. Now, I kind of grin a little bit when I say that or ask that to a racer because you have chosen a career that is ups and downs. One weekend you're a champion, the next you're a chump. I mean, it's just I can't even imagine. It's like a professional uh, sports person. You know, you're champions one week and the next week you can't, can't make a, make a field goal. So tell us about a big challenge. Take us there, a big failure that you faced. But more importantly, the reason I ask this question is how did that experience help you grow? What did you learn from it? And how did it help you gain
1: even more momentum as you move forward in your racing career? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good question. I think it's one that, um, you know, I definitely have. A lot of time to, to talk about, right? Cause I think, as you pointed out in racing and, and in this sport and particularly being, I think a driver, uh, you definitely have quite a lot of ups and downs. And, and far too often I've always said that I think race car drivers get way, way too much credit when, when things go good and they have a great race. And then on the flip side of that, I think they get way too much, uh, uh heat when things go not as well as they should, right? I mean, it's uh kind of either you're a hero or a zero in this business. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a champ or comes with the territory. Like I said, it's exactly true, it's so true. I would say for me, you know, when I first got into doing the NASCAR stuff, uh, I kind of came off being really successful and and doing a doing a lot of good things uh, in Grand Am and those day term prototype cars. I got hired by Ford basically to be a uh, driver development driver for them. And they sort of put me with Roush Fenway to go in and do um, the early onset of my NASCAR career. So, they took me and I did some ARCA races and some truck races and you know that it was all kind of going as it should, right? Learning a lot. I've never really driven on any oval tracks before. So, figuring out how to race and uh, race wheel to wheel and what the aerodynamics do when you're around different cars. All those kind of things were things I was learning rapidly as I was kind of getting more experience. And so that all kind of happened here, you know, the, the last half of the year. And that set me up to go do a full-time season of of truck racing the following year. And I was going to be basically taking over Mark Martin's truck ride at Roush. And so he was pretty really famous guy at the time and the team had done really well with mark driving and so definitely some big shoes to fill for me and the first year that i got in there uh still with pretty darn limited experience um we had some great races where it went really well we also had some races where you know i just made mistakes trying to learn and try to figure out how to be be competitive and definitely um you know kind of bounced around from getting pushed around by everyone else that I was racing with to start. <laughs> hey, well, it's NASCAR, down. right?
0: It, it is. <laughs> a lot of pushing
1: is. going on there. <laughs> a lot. And, you know, then started to beat back a little bit and, you know, nearly had some some fights on pit road and things like this. It just kind of, you know, was... An exciting and interesting time to say the least. But, um, yeah, those were definitely tough times getting through some of those events and and learning, right? I mean, you're out there trying to do what you can. You get into an accident, you crash a truck, you see the guys the next week down working in the shop, cutting the thing apart, trying to, you know, fix it, put it back together. And there was definitely times, um, you know, that that was pretty challenging. And I think that that made me kind of look at the whole sport as a, as a whole and look at, you know, hey, we're all in this trying to get you know better together and these guys that are working hard back at the shop are like hey you're going to figure this out it's going to click you're fast we don't mind you know working on these things putting them back together and they kept doing it and kept doing it and so the next year we had a really good year i think i had about uh 10 or so 10 or 15 top five finishes. We won a couple races, had some polls. It was super successful, really good year. And so, you know, in a way that kind of just, you know, again, proved to me that, Hey, you keep your head down, you keep, you know, kind of working on things and, and, you know, eventually it'll click, it'll, it'll come to you and, and uh, you'll have good success. So that was definitely, uh, probably the lowest point, but, uh, on the flip side, the following year, one of the highest points. Yeah,
0: great learning lessons, never ever give up. That's the key. Absolutely. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about. And I I ask my guests typically uh, to share their first really special vehicle. I'll let you decide which way you want to go here. Your first special street vehicle or the first race car you claw- crawled in and said, "I made it. I can't believe I'm here." <laughs>
1: That's a good question. I think the uh, the first special vehicle was probably and this is going to sound strange for sure, but (laughs) I got hired by Ford at uh, 16 basically to be a Ford factory driver. And so they were providing me with uh, with a company car to use every year. So uh, as weird as it is, I never really had to buy a street car. Uh, wow! I was 16, 17, 18, because I I had a car from Ford. How so, cool is that? Yeah, crazy, crazy. And so then I ended up doing uh, getting up to racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and I needed to go buy a motorhome. And so turns out the very first car that I ever technically bought was uh, you know a forty-five foot long motorhome, and that was my first you know my first street car. Basically, was this. That's motorhome.
0: hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty unique answer for this question. I, I've heard some funny answers, but that one, I yeah. think, is the first time, the first special vehicle was a motorhome. But you think about it, I mean, race car drivers, they need motorhomes. I mean, they, they've they got to be, uh in fact, your dad, when he called in, I believe he was at Daytona, in, in a motorhome uh, when he called <laughs> exactly. in the other day from his show. So, wow, that's pretty cool. So what what was your first car at 16 that Ford gave
1: you? Uh, my first car was a pickup truck. You know, I was born and raised in Texas and Ford said, hey, whatever you want, you know, let us know and we'll we'll, we'll get it get it for you. And so for me, I mean, there's nothing better than having a Ford pickup truck when you're, uh, when you're a Texas guy.
0: Yeah, no doubt. My dad's uh, originally from Texas, my grandparents. So yeah, I understand. Uh, when I was a kid, we'd go visit my grandparents' farm. And I remember my cousins all had pickups. I grew up in Southern California, so I had a Carmen Ghia. You oh, know, nice! Kind of classic. But my cousins all had trucks, and my my one cousin had a truck with a very large. He had shot a very large rattlesnake and skinned it, and glued the skin down the hood of his truck like a racing stripe, a diamondback <laughs> <laughs> racing stripe. So, uh, yeehaw, Texas! You know, go absolutely, Texas. Absolutely, everything. Yeah, it's funny you've
1: got that uh, Carmen Ghia. I have a 1972 Volkswagen Beetle that I used oh, for, cool. So, yeah, familiar with uh, with that whole brand for sure. <laughs> it's pretty funny to think a race car
0: driver like you, Colin, driving an old Beetle. I mean, that's got to put you in a different mindset
1: when you get behind the wheel with that thing. Ah, uh, it sure does. It's fun though. I mean, the um, you know those kind of cars built back in those days, you know gave such a different uh, experience than what you have driving, you know, any modern day kind of luxury vehicle. So I love that, you know, that feeling and and just kind of the rawness of driving, you know, cars from back in those days, a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And the great thing about vintage cars, too, is that you get a different mindset. Uh, The vintage cars I've always had, I kind of put my string back gloves on, you kind of slow everything down. It's really kind of refreshing. And, and you know, I mean, you're a guy who goes fast on the track. You don't need to go fast on the streets. So it's got to be, got to be a different mindset when you crawl into that VW. Well, here's a very introspective question to get into your mindset. If you woke up tomorrow and Colin was a vehicle, any kind of vehicle in the world, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle it could be a streetcar, race car. Maybe it's a motorcycle. I don't know. What would Colin Braun be
1: and why? That's a good question, you know, and I've thought about how to frame up answering that. And I would have to say, (laughs) I think if I was anything, I would be like a modern day rally car, just because the rally cars to me are so impressive. They can do so many different things, right? They can be fast in the snow, on the dirt, on the pavement, and they're really, really good all around Cars And so when I look at, you know, kind of myself and my career, I look at all the different things that I've driven and and had opportunities to drive and, and the diversity that I've been exposed to. And I think that kind of aligns well with what a rally car would be if, uh, if I was a car.
0: Very cool answer. Now, rally racers. Now there is a crazy group of people. I tell you the only other thing that gives me more anxiety than watching rally racing from a in-car cockpit shot is MotoGP. Oh, uh for those sure. guys. Oh my gosh. Have you ever had any inclination
1: to go rally racing? Well, I would love to go rally racing. I did a couple seasons of uh Global Rallycross, which is the kind of closed course track style deal where we had some jumps and and some dirt sections, but um Never really raced, you know, through the woods and through the trees and all that. Man, it sure looks like fun. Oh my gosh, it scares me to death. You're a much braver guy (laughs) than me. But it's
0: fun to watch, that's for sure. All right, Colin, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give me some quick blips of that modern-day rally car throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your racing successes over the
1: years? Uh, I think probably my attention to detail, right? I think just being, you know, um, kind of always focused on all the little details has really helped me in in my racing for sure.
0: Absolutely. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the racing industry, living or deceased,
1: who would that individual be? I think for me, that's an easy one. I was always a really big fan of Ayrton Senna growing up mm, as a little kid yeah. and, you know, just to be able to sit down with him. and. You know, kind of learn his perspective and some of the things that made him who he was um, would be pretty special.
0: You know, I, my regular listeners are going to hear this again. I say it a lot, but Sen is one of my, uh, my guys that I just, I love that guy. He was great. In fact, I have one of his quotes in the back of my business cards and his quote is, the past is just data. I only see the future. <laughs> and I think it's such a great metaphorical quote for A lot of things in life, especially racing. Uh, I did some vintage racing, and I remember in that radio in my ear, head up, head up, look down the track, look down the track, look way ahead. That's the way we should be living our life, looking way ahead as well. And uh, for Senna, he didn't seem to dwell much on the past. He just used that as information to move forward into the future. So uh, it brings a smile on my face, the great Ayrton Senna for sure. Uh, How about the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received from someone else?
1: Ooh, I think this one is going to be probably a bit too racing specific, but sort of that sort of that concept of the corner exit of most corners is really, really important. The corner entry, breaking super late, rolling a lot of, you know, mid corner speed through the corner, not as important probably as that really good early throttle application on the exit. And so I think that's kind of the one thing that's always stuck with me. And I've definitely, uh, you know, kind of built a, a whole mindset around that concept.
0: You know, that whole concept still comes to my mind. I was racing a 1960 Lotus Formula Junior and very much a novice here. I was running with the Sovereign Group, and I just didn't feel like I was doing very well. And I talked to Dick Buckingham, who used to run our group here, and that was the advice he gave me. He goes, you know, Mark, I'm watching you. You can get on the gas a lot faster as you come out of the corners. Now, that car is a very... Momentum car. It's a very small engine. Doesn't go real fast. It drifts through the corners. But he said, just, <laughs> he said, do this as you're going through the corner. Just think about, okay, in a second or two, I'm going to get on the gas. Get on it the minute you think about it. And right. and I did it. And all of a sudden, I shaved like a second and a half of my lap time. I'm like, whoa, that worked. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So even when I'm driving on a street now. In fact, last night I had to drive up to uh, give a keynote speech up in uh, at the Columbia Winery. And it was dark and it was late, and it was raining and I was going through a corner and his voice kind of came into my head. Okay, get on the (laughs) gas a little faster here. So uh, great. Yeah, get on the gas faster. You know, another great metaphor for life. Move a little quicker. Get on those ideas you have a little bit faster. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Don't let them
0: linger. Very, very cool. Now, how about a resource? Is there a resource that's a go-to for you out there that you'd like to share
1: with our listeners? Maybe a website, an app, a supplier, person. I don't know. Well, for me, I think a fellow named Ross Bentley, who's a kind of a world-renowned driver coach, and, and you know just sort of the guy who literally wrote the book on how to go fast in, in as a race car driver, um, was a huge influence in, in my life. Uh, certainly, growing up, racing go karts and doing all those things, and so for me, Ross is obviously a great personal friend, and and you know I lean on him quite a lot personally. But you know, with his speed secrets, um, you know, websites and webinars. And and all the different things that Ross does um, to create, you know, kind of racing-focused and performance-driving-focused content, you know, that's something I lean on all the time, for sure. Yeah,
0: Ross is awesome. He was a very early guest here on Cars. Yeah. Coincidentally, I had him back on the show just last week. In fact, he's going to be speaking with your dad at uh, Andy Collins' event uh, that we talked a little bit about, Armadillo Racing Seminar, annual seminar. It's in their 25th year. It's going to be here in Tacoma. Uh, on the 8th of February, I believe. You can go to the website Armadillo Racing and learn about that. But Ross is great, and he's another guy like your dad. You know, when he called back, I I said, hey, Ross, when were you on the show before? And he goes, I don't know, a few years ago? And I said, no, it was five years ago. Oh. And, and he said, <laughs> what? Now, he lives very close to me here in the Pacific Northwest, and I just felt like I was talking to a friend again. But when uh, again, when I started vintage racing, a friend gave me his Speed Secrets books, and they really helped me a lot. I mean, he's just an incredible guy. So I would encourage listeners out there, if you like racing, even if you just do weekend stuff uh, with your club, you're on a track or autocross, whatever, um, you can subscribe to Ross's uh, Speed Secrets. He comes out with a great email every week where he talks about things about racing and so forth. Uh, it's really worth the minimal cost to, to get that. Ross is a great guy. So glad you mentioned him. How about a book, Colin? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners
1: would enjoy? This is kind of going back to the last question. For me, I love reading, you know, Ross's books. I think they're really helpful and give great advice. I think the other kind of funny part of uh, of this is uh, I didn't know a whole lot about this book. I was in a bookstore looking through, you know, uh, popular books at the time, came across the, the Art of Racing in the Rain by Darth <laughs> Stein and yeah. thought, hey, this has got to be a great book. I sh- why not? interesting that a book about how to race in the rain is like on the New York Times bestseller list, but whatever, I'll grab it. And so anyway, obviously quite not a book about racing in the rain, but uh, nonetheless, a really good, interesting book. And and one of my favorites, kind of the ties of racing and, and, you know, a great story and, and animals who doesn't love dogs. So that's definitely one yeah. of my favorite books.
0: Yes. Garth is great. He lives up here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. And I had him on the show a few years ago, that is the most recommended book by far. That and AJ Baim's Go Like Hell. Um, which of course the new oh, Ford yeah. vs. Ferrari movies out. But of yeah. course the uh, Art of Racing in the Rain was made into a movie and I saw that uh, late last year. Uh, I thought the movie was fine, but nowhere near as good as the book. I mean, uh, the, book- the book's fantastic goes into some great depth. And I always tell people if you're going to read the book and you're going to be sitting on a plane or something, you better bring a tissue uh, <laughs> because you're going to have a few tears. It's really great. Uh, make sure you get a copy of Gar Sites. Or the audiobook is another great way. The audiobook is great. The person that recorded that does an excellent job and you can just put your earbuds in your ear, get on the treadmill, or go for a walk and enjoy the art of racing in the rain. You can find all these great links on Paulin's own show notes page and the Cars yeah! website. Just go to com. type in Colin, C O L I N Braun, and that page will pop up. We'll take another quick break with our advertisers and be right back. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. All right, Colin, we are back and it's checkered flag time. You've seen plenty of checkered flags in your life. This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car or vintage race car on the planet. But there are some rules to the game since I'm writing the check here. <laughs> I'm like course. the sponsor. I gotta dictate your life a little bit here. So, you can't sell this vehicle to buy a bunch of other toys with or fund your racing career. Uh, You have to drive it. No garage queen. So, if you're going to hang it on the wall, not interested. But it's the only cool collector car or vintage race car you can have in your garage. You need to
1: choose wisely. So, what's it going to be? I think for me, that one's pretty easy. Uh, As a little kid, I remember fondly watching the movie Rain Man. Uh, I think that came out about the year that I was born, actually. So I probably was, you know, checking it out when I was five or six with my parents. And I love the scene in the start of the movie where they're unloading the Lamborghinis off the off the boat and they're coming down. You know, I mean, just I kind of fell in love with like cool kind of Lamborghini Countach kind of cars then. So for me, that's always been a car that I just would love to have. Uh, I just remember that that movie so fondly and, and those cars just being so incredibly like, you know, awe-inspiring. That was kind of the first sort of supercar, I guess, that I saw as a little kid or remember seeing as a little kid. And so for me, i just love to have one of those. That'd be pretty cool.
0: Well, I think so. Yeah, uh, those are pretty neat. Now, do you like the, I'm trying to remember the movie, which model Lamborghini was being unloaded. Do you like the old, like the original Periscopo cars, or maybe a few years, a little bit later into the the evolution of the Countach?
1: Yeah, I was pretty sure those are, you know, more like the LP four hundreds, LP five hundreds, those kind of things. So for me, I think maybe a little bit later. um, But you know, man, the Lamborghinis today if i'm honest aren't uh nearly as appealing to me as what you know kind of those late 80s early 90s coontages were i mean just the you know the the shift gate h pattern with the shift gate and everything in there and just the (laughs) noise that they made i mean oh very pretty cars
0: yeah they are they're awesome love to park one of those in your garage hey what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your racing career and
1: follow along with what you're doing yeah I think the best places are probably social media for me I'm on twitter Instagram, Facebook, pretty much all with uh just my name as the handle or my website, which is also just my dot com so those are the uh the best places to keep up with what's going on for sure
0: Awesome. I'll make sure I put links to all those on college show notes page here on Cars. Yeah, follow along with this guy i mean it, it, his career is amazing. What he's doing is so much fun, and now with social media, we can feel like we can be right there with you at the track if we're not fortunate enough <laughs> to be for sure. watching you go around her track really fast. Colin, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your racing career with us. I'm so glad your dad connected me with you. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me? On the Carsia yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past Carsia yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Carsia yeah! TV is making its mark. Carsia yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through. Lucas Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah.
1: Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up